Welcome to episode 188. The purpose of this week's podcast is to provide a briefing to support the implementation of the 2020 Allied Health Professionals Agreement, which uh, replaces the 2016 Agreement for Public Sector Members. My name is Emma Scott, Senior Workplace Relations Consultant at VHAA, and I'm here today with Clinton Tombledon, Workplace Relations Consultant. Uh, together, we uh, make up the bargaining team for the Allied Health Professionals Agreement. So in terms of and how we got to implementation, it's really a first of its kind, being a formal one-year rollover agreement that expires on the 30th of June 2021. Um, Clinton, can you provide a bit of a summary of how we got to this stage? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, VAPA's request to take the secondary pathway rollover agreement was approved by government on the 5th of August to, uh, 2020 for a 2.5% wage and allowance increase on the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July 2020. It took longer than expected to finalize the process. Um, in total, it took eight meetings with VAPA over a period of two months. We then scheduled two meetings with members on the 27th of October 2020 to provide any feedback on the secondary pathway outcome and a costing process was then conducted and the outcome approved by government on the 11th of February 2021. The ballot period was from the 26th of February 2021 to the 4th of March 2021 and there was a 98.27% of valid votes for yes. On the 16th of March 2021, the agreement was lodged and an application was reviewed by the Fairwood Commission. Initially, they held 14 concerns, which we managed to reduce to two that required an undertaking. We will identify the effect of the undertakings later when we go through the highlights. However, they were required to satisfy the Fairwood Commission that the employees would be better off overall under the agreement when compared to the modern award, being the Health Professionals and Support Services Award 2020. The agreement was finally approved on Tuesday, the 11th of May, 2021, and commenced operation on Tuesday, 18th of May, 2021. Uh, moving on to the implementation and what have we done so far to support implementation of the agreement. Um, the salary circular 780 contains the usual Excel version of the 2.5% wages and allowance outcome. It also contains an additional guide that highlights what part of the outcome is above the 2.5%. Um, the impl implementation guide is a document that we have completed that highlights the changes where we believe employers may need to amend their practices. It isn't exhaustive, so we have highlighted in the guide that it should be read in conjunction with the 2020 agreement and the summary of changes. We also provided a track change version of the enterprise agreement to assist members with the process. It outlines clause references, a short change description, specific action and suggested responsibilities with a column that employee employers can tick off as items that are completed. The implementation guide will be used as the base for members to follow this briefing podcast. Um, so uh, we'll start with going through the changes. Uh, starting with part A of the 2020 agreement, which relates to preliminary matters, this was where most of the simple changes were made that didn't actually have an effect on entitlements. Um, as outlined in the summary of changes document. The main change that does actually have a highlighted impact is when it comes to the adoption uh, definition of permanent care order. So that was correcting an error. Under the 2016 agreement, uh, the parental leave was 
available to an eligible employee where a child was placed under a permanent care order. So when a permanent care order is placed, that actually occurs 12 months after the child has been placed with the employee. So that clause has been basically varied to correct it so the employee has access to parental leave at the time the child is placed, not 12 months after. So with that change that we've just described, really what that will require is to make sure that employers ensure that any policy is updated or that the process is undertaking and someone can take leave at the appropriate time frame. Thanks for that, Emma. And moving on to Part B, which is in regards to consultation, dispute resolution and discipline. Uh, there are only three changes um, in relation to Part B. The two highlighted in the implementation plan are, are outlined on screen. So the first change ensures that major change introduction clause is consistent with the major change definition in line with what was discussed in the bargaining when the clause was developed. Uh, the requirement to consult occurs when a major change as described in the clause may have a significant effect on an employee or employees. So with the second change, this uh, was made to ensure VAPA did not raise any concerns that the clause was non-compliant with Section 205 of the Fair Work Act 2009, and compliance must be met in this regard. Otherwise, the Fair Work Commission attaches the whole standard model clause for consultation, which would result in confusion. So to ensure uh, alignment with the modern award terms, we agreed to remove self-rostering and rotating rosters arrangements from being excluded. So consultation is still only required in these circumstances if the arrangements are regular in nature. So the next change is in relation to Part C, uh, types of employment and termination of employment. Uh, and that is about the increased uh, casual loading for a public holiday. And it has gone from 75% to 175%, which means that there's a payment, a total payment of 275%. So that change was made to reduce the likelihood of an undertake, undertaking being required because the loading under the enterprise agreement was significantly lower than the modern award. Um, which would have been which was would have been very difficult for us to offset. So as a part of our internal um, process, this was picked up um, and that change was made. In terms of the costing process that we did, there was only limited employers that advised us that uh, casuals did work public holidays. Uh, but for those um, employers and just anyone, just in case uh, a casual ends up working a public holiday, that really that change really just requires an update to your payroll um, process. There is another change that we've got um, in the summary changes guide and also the implementation one, which is in relation to the long service leave. Um, outlining that a casual is entitled to long service leave in accordance with the 2018 agreement. Now that is the status quo, but we just wanted to highlight that um, in relation to a bulletin that we had previously issued. So there shouldn't be actually a requirement to do anything, um, but just highlighting that the agreement does actually acknowledge that existing entitlement. Thanks for that. And moving on to part D, uh, which is in relation to wages. Um, as you can see on screen, uh, the wage and allowance changes are when the most significant amount of work will be for the implementation of the 2020 agreement. We have the increase of 2.5% on the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July 2020. There are some exceptions to the increase. Uh, the exceptions were aimed at reducing the likelihood of undertakings. So the list of undertakings would have been a lot more than two had we not done an internal assessment prior to finalizing the secondary pathway process. 
uh, to assist members with implementation of the exceptions. We have highlighted them in yellow, as I said, and done an extra guide to explain them. So we will go through the items as we go through the implementation guide. Uh, as outlined on screen, there's no lump sum payable. However, there was a form of back pay agreed. Um, and some other items to highlight not on screen is that the maintenance arrangement for some chief and deputy chief rates in relation to clause 28.4 of the 2016 agreement still applies at clause 28.6 of the 2020 agreement. We've inserted the rates into the clause, and these are detailed in salary circular 780. Um, the other change is in relation to the superannuation choice of fund. Um, there's a change in legislation for agreements approved post 1st of January 2021. Super choice is no longer limited to industry funds. Employers will need to update any policies or processes that exist that exist in relation to super choice to allow for the relevant choice of fund. So moving on to part E, allowances and reimbursements. Although we didn't change the words in clause 33, we've still highlighted in the guide that the allowances specified in subclause 33.1 will increase in accordance with the 2.5% wage increase. Uh, and that other allowances as amended by the 2020 agreement are out, set out in appendix three. So the other allowances that are in appendix three are all of the allowances that are based on a percentage of um, like a particular amount under the enterprise agreement. Say, for example, their higher qualifications um, allowance, they have been uh, updated in the agreement, but also the salary circular. Uh, so people should refer to salary circular 780. And in terms of action points, that really requires members to update their payroll and make the applicable back um, payment from the, the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July 2020. Thanks for that, Emma. Um, the next two changes highlighted in the implementation guide are in relation to two exceptions to standard allowance increases. The first one relates uh, to the afternoon and morning shifts, and the second one is in relation to the sleepover uh, allowance. So for the afternoon and morning shifts, it only relates to the classifications outlined in the slide. Uh, the classifications on screen receive higher increases as because the wage rates were not high enough above the modern award rate to offset the different ways the shift allowance when compared against each other. So from the costing process, the, there were a limited number of employees that indicated that employees in the classifications listed undertake afternoon or morning shifts. Um, and in terms of the sleep sleepover allowance, we had to increase the amount payable for social workers and community development workers because the allowance includes one hour's work and the amount fell below the minimum wages in the modern award. So through the costing process, no employers reported that sleepovers were required. So we have made a claim to remove the clause in the primary pathway bargaining. Um, these changes require an update to payroll and the required back payments. So I think there's um, also one additional uh, change just to highlight. We didn't put it in the implementation guide, um, but it is in the summary of changes that we did uh, outline a new definition um, of what additional is. And that in the most part reflects the higher qualifications guide that we have previously issued to members. Um, so just if people want more information around that change, just to refer to the uh, summary of change document. But um, most members, if they are paying it in accordance with the guide, um, won't require any action. Uh, with part F, uh, there are two changes that we've got highlighted on screen. And these were made to reduce the risk of any undertakings. The first one is a limitation to the broken shifts, which have been introduced. 
Uh, so that is really about that an employee will not work broken shifts unless the employee agrees to work a broken shift under the flexible work arrangements or the in, or as an individual flexibility arrangement. Um, but we have made it clear in that clause that prior arrangements will not be disturbed by that. Uh, so from the costing uh, process, we didn't have anyone indicate that uh, there would be an impact um, and that broken shifts are common across health services. But if there are um, any health services that do do broken shifts, you'll just need to go through and double check and ensure that any policies or procedures um, in this respect are updated. The secondary element is the unpaid meal break. And that is introducing the minimum um, break of 30 minutes into the maximum amount of 60 minutes. So again, from feedback, we think that that's got limited um, impact because most people do uh, roster minimum breaks of 30 minutes as a standard procedure. Um, but if you do have anywhere where you do not do that, you will just need to make sure that you uh, ensure that rosters or work arrangements are now compliant with that minimum unpaid um, meal break requirement. Thanks for that, Em. And um, to redu reduce the risk of undertakings, we simplify the overtime and recall payments for full-time and part-time employees. Uh, this was done by deleting the existing subclause 52.5, outlining overtime on a public holiday is paid at double time and a half, and that only one penalty applies, being the highest penalty rate according to the circumstance. Um, and as you can see on screen, if employers do not pay according to the requirements of the 2020 agreement, um, then we would advise to update the payroll uh, as required. In terms of casual overtime, so to reduce the risk of undertakings, casual overtime payments were introduced into the 2020 agreement and are payable when casuals work in, in excess of 10 hours on any one shift, in excess of 38 hours per week, or where a break of at least eight hours has not been provided between successive ordinary shifts until a break of eight hours is provided. So the payments introduced into the 2020 agreement were that of the full-time part-time rates plus 25%, which were most more closely aligned with the modern award at the time of setting the secondary pathway. However, the modern award was varied after the outcome. So as a result, this is one of the items that required an undertaking. So the undertakings were required for a small number of professions uh, because the rates of pay under the 2020 agreement were not high enough to offset the difference in loading. So on screen is, is a summary of what is payable. We will try to re resolve the administrative complexity related to the undertakings through the primary pathway. So the three next changes on screen, although highlighted in the implementation guide, are likely to already be occurring. Um, the first one was in relation to payment of time in lieu on termination of employment. So we advise if required um, to update your appropriate payroll process. Uh, the second one is additional words in subclause 52.9 outlining the existing clause for training supervision uh, is subject to section 62 of the Fair Work Act, which is in regards to maximum weekly hours. We'd advise that if required to ensure proper po policy or process processes are compliant. And the third one is in relation to variation to subclause 55.3b, uh, which is ensuring an employee will not resume work of their own volition, where it will, it will cause a significant occupational health and safety risk. So we would advise that if required to ensure your policies are compliant. 
So moving then on to Part G, public holidays, leave and related matters. This is significantly where a lot of the changes were related to NES entitlements. So we have the substitution of public holidays um, and really it can't happen by the majority of affected employees. It can only be by individual agreement. So we've updated those words and it's just to make sure that employers know that they they can't go through a process of majority substituting a public holiday, um, that it can only be done by individual agreement. So the next item is in relation to the deletion of clause 58.6 in the public holiday clause. Um, and really that's just ensuring that there was an NES update that if um, an employee will still get paid for their ordinary hours on a public holiday, uh, even if they're rostered to work but do not do so, and that's that's as a result of the NES entitlement to be absent. The next one is the deletion of clause 62.4 uh, for carers leave. And the effect of that is just making sure that services know that employees can take carers leave where another person has taken carers leave to care for the same person. But obviously that would be subject to the relevant evidence requirements of the 2020 agreement. So for those two changes, we recommend that um, if that is not compliant or if you don't believe you're compliant with that, that you do update your payroll processes to ensure that occurs and processes as well. So the other ones in relation to the NES changes quite significantly is parental leave. Now we're not going to go uh, directly through them, but you can refer to the summary of changes for more information. And there's about five changes in that respect. The first being the deletion of the primary carer and non-primary carer de definition, which currently limits non-employee couples from parental leave. And there's some other associated changes in the clause as well. Uh, there's also been a slight variation to the variation, the variation for notice and evidence requirements related to concurrent leave. So that's clause 70.6a to c. There's also a change in relation to clause 70.11, variation of period of unpaid parental leave up to 12 months and the notice requirement for that. Clause 70.13, which is parental leave and other entitlements not breaking the parental leave period and clause 70.18, uh, which is keeping in touch days um, do apply to short parental leave. It's highly unlikely that someone will take um, keeping in touch days in short parental leave, but technically um, there is no exclusion to that. So with those changes, uh, essentially, if required, uh, employers should update their policy or process compliance. So the next change is in relation to long service leave, uh, which is in regards to the flexible taking of leave. Um, the change is the deletion of half leave at double pay. So employees cannot request nor can an employer improve the taking of long service leave at half time for double the pay. So we, we would advise that employers ensure process is compliant. Uh, the change was required by the NES as a result of a fairer commission decision. The other change in relation to long service leave was employment from full-time or part-time employment to casual employment and transfer of service to another employer as a full-time or part-time employee. So the change was in relation to that circumstance and we had implemented clarification. More specifically, uh, the certificate of service must be provided to employee by the employer when requested 
when the employee continues to be employed as a casual employee and the service transfer does not count for the purposes of the employee's casual entitlement under the Long Service Leave Act of 2018. That is, there is no double dipping, essentially, of Long Service Leave under the Long Service Leave Act 2018 or the proposed enterprise agreement. So we would advise that in terms of process compliance uh, to review that process if required. The next change we've highlighted as a clarification. So this is in regards to the process of ensuring an employee who has an entitlement to long service leave under the 2020 agreement at employer A does not lose the right to transfer service in accordance with existing provisions to employer B when they terminate employment but continue to be employed as a casual at employer A. Um, there's a practical example in the 2020 agreement that highlights the effect of the provisions. Um, so that is made clear as well. Yeah, so um, we think that that's probably likely a, a matter that we may need to do a, an additional implementation guide when it comes to um, yeah, members trying to implement that. We think that there may be something additional, but we'll uh, wait for any relevant feedback uh, on that. Uh, in terms of then the next part, part I, which is union matters and the service delivery partnership plan, we have deleted the requirement for the workplace implementation committee, and that's uh, really due to the limited changes under the 2020 agreement and the fact that we will be leading into the primary pathway bargaining. We have deleted the SDPPWG clause and it has been replaced with a clause for the three additional public hospitals, uh, which are the Queen Elizabeth Centre, Tweddle Child and Family Health Service and Casterton Memorial Hospital about implementation meetings um, and that they can be requested by either VARPA or the employer. So there's no uh, specific action for all other employers under the agreement, but for those three additional public hospitals, um, it's just important to note that uh, you need to review the enterprise agreement um, more in depth because uh, this summary of change or this briefing um, only is what applies to the common sector approach. So that's just a reminder for those three employers. Thanks for that. Moving on to other changes, maybe relating to classification and wages. So the other changes highlighted in the implementation guide that required implementation are those relevant to the matters that we have highlighted in the additional guide containing contained within salary circular 780 that have not already been described in our briefing that were to reduce the likelihood of undertakings. Um, as you can see on screen, in relation to the first change, Clause 84.9 concerns allied health managers classified at grade three, year four. The wage rate fell below the modern award minimum wage rate for the health professional level four, pay point four, which is where the allied health managers translate. So the modern award does not allow employees to get paid less if they're in charge of less staff like the agreement does. So these employees will not receive the usual grade three year four increments, but will receive a different year four increment with a higher wage increase, which is named grade three year four B. The second change is clause 84.10, which relates to interns. So the classification has been split into a three year degree pay rate, which is the existing rate with a 2.5% wage increase, but there will be a master's rate applicable, uh, new rate for an intern who has provisional registration. Um, in, more specifically, they've completed their master's degree and is undertaking clinical placement. Um, they will receive the new master's rate of pay. So the modern award has a higher entry point 
uh, for employees with a master's, which is why the change has been made. For community development workers, there's an undertaking that is currently applicable to employees in the classifications outlined on screen who translate to a level two, pay point two, three and four under the modern award. Instead of creating a different structure for these employees to reduce manual intervention, we've just updated the general rates to match the modern award rates plus half a percent. So those who translate to the modern award level two receive a smaller 0.50% increase compared to those listed on screen. All others will receive a higher increase. The year one used to have an undertaking, but it's no longer required. They will just receive the normal 2.5% wage increase. So that's why the year one doesn't appear in the table. Thanks for that, Em. And with the welfare workers, this is where most changes are across several classification levels. Firstly, the welfare worker class two, there's an undertaking applicable to employees in the classifications outlined in the table who translate to a level two pay point three and four under the modern award. So no current undertaking applies to year one and two, but a change was required. There's no change to the structure, but the, the wage rates have been updated in accordance with the table. Uh, moving on to the welfare workers who may translate to the modern award health professionals employer employee level three for these employees we've cr created different classifications so for class two employees translating to the level three there's a new classification called welfare worker class two way existing undertakings already apply to these employees for class three employees translating to the level three there is a new classification called welfare worker class 3a and there are also existing undertakings that apply to these employees for class four employees translating to the level three there is a new classification called welfare worker class 4a and an undertaking currently only applies to the year five but a change is required to others to keep a similar buffer above the modern award and so there is a difference in pay between the class 3a and class 4a similar to the existing class 3 and 4. Mm. I think it's just important for to note to members in relation to that change that if people do not translate to the health professional level 3 then you do not have to do a translation um, process you would still keep them at the uh, general class levels you don't have to translate them to those new class 2a class 3a and class 4a um, classifications. So most employers should have already had a process in place to do that assessment. Um, and we did also put in the enterprise agreement the relevant descriptor for the level three to make that easier to um, for employers. We did do some similar changes when it comes to youth workers, uh, which we've got on screen. So um, again, that's to uh, resolve the existing undertakings. We've created a level 2A youth worker uh, for the class two employees who translate to the level three under the modern award. And then we also have created a class three uh, A for people that translate from the health professionals level three modern award. Currently, there's an undertaking that applies to year four and five, uh, but there isn't an undertaking for years one, two, and three. Um, but again, we did do some changes to that to make sure that there is a similar buffer when you compare the class two A and class three A 
um, similar to the buffer that exists under the class two and class three. And lastly, for PETAMAC only on screen, we just have some changes in relation to the trainee research uh, technologist, which is the scientist. Um, and there has been, there was an existing undertaking that has been resolved by increasing the percentage amount of the level A research assistant wage rate for trainees who are 19 or 20 years of age, um, with the increases shown out on screen. So really the changes that we've got, um, we've just been through other ones that we thought were appropriate to highlight from the uh, implementation plan. Uh, although it does seem like a long list, it actually is a small list in comparison to what we would have um, done had we undertook the primary pathway bargaining last year. Uh, but we will be um, starting that primary pathway bargaining process, um, I think within the next couple of weeks. Uh, so I think that's all for today. Uh, thank you, Clinton, for assisting with the briefing. No worries. Thanks, Sam.